Welcome to Business and Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, Bratzo Pobridge. This episode is sponsored by Life Success Academy, a place where you recreate your business and personal happiness. Today, we will cover authentic organizational and employees' well-being framework, as well as eight pillars of authentic organizational employee well-being. So, let's look at the organizational employees' well-being framework first. You see, most people are talking about happiness and uh, individual happiness and or what organizations should do to help employees become happiness, become happier rather, sorry. But what we should really be talking about, look at the framework and then outside of this framework, we look at each pillar for employees as well as organization, and then how do we align it? And that is the key. So let me start with the framework first. Based on the research, there are four categories really that identify uh, employee well-being. And that is, number one is employment status. I don't think there is any um, surprise there, right? So employment equal happiness unemployment equal unhappiness. Look, if you are employed, that is, you know, one part of your happiness, if you will. You are able to support yourself, to support your family, pay your bills, uh, hopefully do what you really love to do, and so on. If you are unfortunately unemployed, that means that you might be struggling with, you know, basic needs or paying your bills or simply having a life that you want. So that, that will bring some unhappiness, right? So first is employment starts. The next one is income. We do know that income level affects happiness, but only to the certain point. Now, considering that even just for my own students, where I have folks in you know, 172 countries, we cannot tell you exactly what income level affects happiness because it's different not just from country to country from you know county to county town to town and from your own um, you know uh, 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 how you live and how you want to live but we do know that affects you know to a certain point and whatever that number is uh, above that point, they say doesn't affect, and I would say it doesn't affect a lot, right? So yeah, you know, more money we have, uh, higher income we have, it, uh, it, uh, it allows us to do things we want to do and not to do things we don't like to do, such as, you know, if you don't like cleaning your house, it's, it's nice that you have income, you can pay someone to do that while you can do some other work uh, that will maybe bring you even more income and or life satisfaction. So first category was employment status, second is income. The third category is a friendship or relationships. We do know that based on a lot of research, relationships are the number one predictors of happiness. So they are very important uh, for everyone as well as 
employed or unemployed, which means all of us. Now, the key category that I focus on the most is work activities. And what that really means is that organizations should focus on specific activities that are positively associated with happiness. So to implement and facilitate uh, workshops, uh, coaching and mentoring um, based on positive psychology, based on basically a lot of modules that we and models that we teach at Life Success Academy and or someone else. But there are certain work activities that leaders should implement that are based on uh, associated with happiness and that in turn will improve authentic organizational and employee well-being. So this is the framework, right? So again, we're looking at the four categories, employment status, income, friendship, and work activities. Now, I would like to move to uh, what I call the eight pillars of organizational and employees' wellness. What are these pillars? Let, let me just name them first. Then we're gonna go just a little bit into each one. And why is this so important? So there are authentic happiness, resilience and purpose, optimism, relationships, goals, mindfulness, gratitude, and strength. So we are going to look at each of these pillars for employee and for the organization. And the most importantly, how do we align them? And if there is alignment, this is where you have a true wellness of both organization and employee. If there is no alignment, we have a problem. This is why we cannot focus only on organization. We cannot or should not focus only on employees. We should focus on both and at the same time, figure out how do we align them. So let's start from the first one, which is authentic happiness. Now, what do we mean by authentic happiness? So <clears throat> to, if we, let's start from organizational happiness. So really, regardless of the size of shape of the business, revenue, and profit could be the main reason, you know, businesses exist. They survive or thrive. So, you know, wherever an organization invests its money, they look for return on investment. So the company's bottom line is often the number one part of authentic happiness pillar. So revenue, profit, share price, dividends, and some other critical factors define authentic happiness for most organizations. Now, really, after that, it comes everything else. That is reality. But how the company gets to the authentic happiness level is another story. So authentic organizational happiness is really created with what? With people. Revenue, profit, budget, marketing, sales, operations, strategies, you know, customer service, technology, and so on. So although revenue and profit might be critical factors, it is more complicated than this. 
if you look at some of the largest companies in the world, so let's say Amazon, it took years before they became profitable. And I'm not a finance guy, but we need to include, you know, maybe cash flow and investment for the business to be happy. There are a lot of, we have to look at the numbers, right? That's what every business is looking for, the numbers. Now, ultimately, employees decide if a company is healthy to work for. That is a different. So because of that, companies are creating, you'll see a lot of employee satisfaction surveys. You know, unfortunately, many companies do it just because they feel they need to do, but they often do really next to nothing with the results. And this is why employees get really frustrated. Let's look at now employees' happiness. So if you think of authentic happiness, you know, defined by Martin Seligman and Mihail Cech-Mihail, it's a combination of hedonic and eudaimonic happiness. So hedonic happiness is when you achieve a high level of positive emotions and low level of negative emotions. And eudaimonic happiness is when you have a purpose and meaning. So what can people do to achieve authentic happiness at work? What can they do to increase a level of positive emotions? So one thing to do is make a list of things that make them feel good when working. So accomplishing a small goal, you know, working toward the promotion. Uh, maybe you have a short or you know, enjoyable commute. Maybe you enjoy morning coffee with colleagues, et cetera. But focus on attention on that. Now, how about negative emotions? What do you do with that? Well, make a list. Maybe avoid talking with people that get you down. You know, maybe stop complaining about work. Uh, find a way to enjoy your commute, even if it's long, and so on. So how about purpose and meaning? This one, you know, I discuss a lot in so many different programs, but it's about, you know, don't think of a significant meaning, you know, right, why am I here? But rather, the meaningful work you do. So regardless of what you do, you can relate your work to your meaning and purpose. So to give an example, janitor, you know, John, let's give him the name John. His meaning and purpose in the hospital may be to provide a clean and healthy environment so that patients do not have to worry about getting yet another disease. Uh, the receptionist, Jane, may have the meaning of making everyone feel at home, you know, as soon as they walk in, in the office because she just loves communicating with people. You know, when I managed global data centers, I found meaning in helping people and organizations connect worldwide assisting small businesses trade, assisting individuals in running cabling inside our data centers, and so on. So my colleagues and I helped thousands of families have a good and meaningful life with that work. So in a nutshell, uh, to achieve authentic happiness at work, regardless of circumstances, circumstances, sorry, <laughs> what, what is it you can do? Well, you want to increase positive emotions, 
and make a plan to do more of it. You want to decrease negative emotions and make a plan to minimize or eliminate these activities. And you want to connect what you do with meaning and purpose. That's really important. Now, we looked at organizational happiness and employee happiness. Let's see, let's now talk about the alignment. How do we align them? So think about, I talked about John, Jane, and what I did. So the meaning of these two individuals and myself, meaning and purpose, were really 100% aligned with company's well-being, which is fully aligned with the business goals, vision, and mission. They align 100% with organizational happiness. How? Well, they are happy to do what they do, and at the same time, they help business reach their goals. So everybody is happy. Businesses are happy if they're doing well financially and healthy, if they align their work with the vision, mission, and purpose. For employees, you know, finances are really the base of their happiness at work. But as we said, up to a certain point. So what employees want as compensation may not always be aligned with what the company wants to offer or can afford to offer. So for this model, we ignore that factor. How do we align employees' happiness with organizational well-being? Employees need to look at the company's vision and purpose and ensure it aligns with their life. For example, if you do not support smoking, you shouldn't be working in the tobacco industry. If you support climate change, you should look for companies that do the work in that area. If you love helping people, look for a job in the service industry, and so on. And if it doesn't fully align, try to find an alignment. Look for it. You know, sometimes people just need a job. And in that case, this kind of alignment may not be possible. But if you're already working for a company that doesn't align with your values, you have a choice. <laughs> Obviously, there's a choice. You can stay or you can go. Seriously, you can stay or you can leave. But, but the chances are, if you stay and the goals are like, totally not aligned, you may not be performing at your best. You may not be happy there. You may not be the best asset for that company. So think about this. What can you do as an employee? How do you align your authentic happiness with company profitability? What can you do as a leader to help your employees increase that profitability and yet be happy as employee? So that is about authentic happiness. Now, <clears throat> sorry about that. Let's move to the next pillar. And the next pillar is resilience and purpose.
Let's start with organizational resilience. <clears throat> the organizational purpose is really much more than purpose statement. We know that the business purpose must be clearly defined. Unfortunately, sometimes organizations will issue the purpose statement, never revisit it, and think they have done their job. <laughs> Suppose you're in position to create this for your organization. So in that case, I encourage you to dig deep and make a purpose statement that truly represents your business and is measurable and attainable. Like in our personal life, the organization doesn't become resilient overnight. It's impossible. But you know, businesses need to continuously work on resilience. Uh, they need to regularly test and update their plans accordingly. It's really never ending, you know, lifelong process. But keep in mind that each business, each even, each even business units has a different plan, resilience plan. So with infrastructure, sales, marketing, development, they need to have its own resiliency plan. So let us use a trading company as an example and, and focus mainly on information technology, IT department. So IT maintains data centers. Data centers have many servers while trading happens. If trading goes down for any time, the company might go out of business. But what if the machines where trading is um, just going down? We plan for it and build redundancy. So in that case, another device would pick up that trade. If the entire data center goes down, another data center will continue doing trading. And if one region goes down, another region will pick up and so on. So depending on company size, the organization builds the best resilience it can afford. So the trading in this case never stops and the business continue running without hookups or hiccups rather. <laughs> but of course, resiliency is not just technical, it is much more than that. The top 10 organizational resiliency factors are optimism, fear of failure, social responsibility, Believing in something bigger than organization, social support, organizational role model, office fitness, organizational intelligence, working smart, smart, and purpose. As you can see, many organizational resiliency factors are the same or similar, or you will see that now, same or similar to the employee resiliency factor. So, Let's move to employee resilience. Uh, all right, so as far as employee resilience, I'm just going to give you the top 10 resiliency factors. And for the purpose of just doing this podcast and video, we'll stop there. So the top 10 resiliency factors are optimism, facing fear, moral compass, spirituality, social support, role model, physical fitness, brain fitness, cognitive and emotional ability, and meaning and purpose. Okay, so how do we now align each of these organizational and employee resilience? So there is one thing I know for sure, resilient employees 
create resilient organizations. Yes, resilient employees create resilient organizations. You know, things happen in our life, good, bad, and ugly. The same thing is true for the business. When employees understand resilience, they can help organizations establish redundancy and to prepare for small or even large disasters. Organizational changes are inevitable. And, and the key to success is how companies and employees adapt to that change. So earlier we said that there are 10 organizational and 10 employee resiliency factors. So let's see how we align them. Number one was optimism. When employees and the company they work for are optimistic about the organizational future, and certainly company is, even if you know, a small company, that's a really starting point for success. Of course, the optimism has to be grounded, right? Has to be based on something that happened before, some similar situation that happened before and that individual and or small business was able to solve it by taking certain actions. Facing fear. The equivalent organizational resiliency factor is fear of failure. So there is often a fear that the business may not make it, especially in the very beginning. Entrepreneurs know this, they know it very well, but it doesn't mean they're going to give up. They will not. If an employee knows how to face fear personally, and their organization knows how to handle that fear of failure, we have a beautiful alignment. Let's move to moral compass. This employee resilience factor is equivalent to social and moral responsibility for the organization. Ideally, an employee's moral compass is aligned with business moral compass and social responsibility. If so, it is one more factor for improved productivity at work. Moving down to spirituality. Spirituality is really defined as believing in something bigger than ourselves. And organization should believe in something more significant than the business itself from that perspective. So profit must be made. But when a company starts from point of serving clients, the revenue will come. When they only focus on their business and profit, they create unhappy employees and unhappy clients. Not the way to create a resilient organization. So let's move to social support. You know, without social support, an organization cannot survive. Without support, social aid, people cannot function. Today, that is, you know, expanded to social media, a key factor, especially for small businesses looking to grow globally. Role model. Most of us have role models, so do many organizations. Another successful business is, is, is a, having a role model. So hopefully these two role models, right? So is individual have role model and businesses have business role model. So hopefully these two role models have a similar characteristics so that employees feel as if they have one role model to help them succeed at work. Physical fitness. 
you know, I aligned personal fitness with office fitness. By office fitness, I mean, how the office is organized, how comfortable it is, how employees can do the same, or rather some physical fitness while at work, maybe it's a gym, yoga studio, outdoor activities, you know, business park, et cetera. Or maybe the company doesn't have any of these facilities, you know, simply cubicles, and yet somehow it just turned the environment feels just so comfortable. Now moving to brain fitness. So to improve our intelligence level, you know, we need to keep learning and keep practicing and increasing the fitness of our brains. This characteristics is aligned with organizational intelligence. By aligning these two, businesses and employees are in the right place. Cognitive and emotional strength. This characteristics is aligned with working smart. You know, although many organizations will ask employees to work hard, which is okay, but working smart is even better. Working smart will produce great results for the company and employees, and companies and employees rather, when, when structured really correctly, and we're not gonna go over working smart, but there are so many components of it. And last but not least is meaning and purpose. So hopefully the organization has established its purpose and meaning, you know, and aligning with the employee purpose would really be ideal. Uh, employees should look for meaning in their work, but really start small. Find meaning in almost every task they do. There is a meaning to go to work to be assigned to the project, help clients, get to know your colleagues, help the company improve, and so on. Everything becomes more manageable once people find meaning in what they do. These are just examples of uh, simple ways of aligning organizational and employee resiliency factors. And each organizational and, and organization, rather, and its leaders will need to dig a little deeper understand each of these and work with employees to align them to improve organizational and employee well-being. But you know the key is to identify resilience factors for the company and each employee and then and only then align them. So I know we spend a lot of time on resilience and purpose. So let me now move to the next factor. And what is the next factor? So the next factor will be <clears throat> Sorry, the next factor will be optimism. All right, so let's let's cover optimism. So first, let's look at organizational optimism. So organizations naturally have the optimism built in. You know, otherwise they wouldn't exist. They must believe in what they do, and the belief is creating that positive organizational cells. That's really given. Optimism should be based on past successes. And you know, even if this is a new organization, there is no, and there are no past successes. So what do we do then? Well, the chances are there are past successes of the founders and past achievements of similar organizations. And because of that, organizational leaders believe in success. Let's look at employee optimism. When it comes to optimism, 
always go back to that grounded optimism. So as an employee or future employee, you look at your past successes. You do not look for failures. You look at for past successes and establish optimism for working with this company, current company. So, but employees also need to believe in the organization they work for. If they don't, they will probably either not stay long, you know, well, one way or another, <laughs> they will not stay long. So employee grounded optimism at work is based on past organizational successes, successes with the industry, within the branch, within that region and so on. So employee optimism at work is very much connected with organizational optimism. And how do we align these to organizational optimism and employee optimism? The organization needs to understand employee optimism toward their job or lack of it and help them redefine it if necessary. Employees will constantly review organizational optimism level and make a significant decision, stay or leave based on that. Employees do this all the time. The easiest way to determine the organizational optimism level, level rather, is really to watch the leadership team. You can always tell what's going on with the organization by looking at each leader's level of optimism. Top executives are trained not to show in their behavior if anything goes wrong. However, lower execs <laughs> will often show that. If the leadership team doesn't believe in the organization, employees will not believe either. This is very, very important for leaders out there to understand. The business can only expect employees to be optimistic about their work and career if their leadership team believes in it. Often, without doing it, these two are aligned. But it is a good when leadership optimism is high and it's dangerous when it's low. And leaders must be aware of this. Must, must, must be aware of this. So let's move to the next uh, pillar. And the next pillar in our case will be, let's discuss relationships. So on a high level, Organizational relationships can be divided into internal and external. What do I mean by that? Well, as far as, as far as internal relationships, let's start from the reporting structure, such as direct reports. So employees reports to, let's say, one manager, or metric reports where employees may have more than one manager. We must really understand that cultural differences play a significant role here. You know, there are relationships within the region and outside of the region for the company with the global presence. Creating relationships with local folks is not the same as establishing relationships globally. Dealing with internal organizations from New York, it's not the same as how one team should approach working with the teams from, let's say, Asia Pacific region. Relationships between different business units, such as sales, operation, finance, development, infrastructure, human relations, so on, and the team relationships 
within your team and externally, how you work with one relate to other groups are also vital to organizational successes. So think about that you have relationship between business units, your relationships inside the business units, your relationship between the teams and so on. Now, clients really, regardless what you do, are the reason that companies exist. Every company has clients that they serve. You know, whether small or large, every organization has someone or some other business that they serve. We can call them clients. And every company needs support from other companies to succeed. We call them vendors. However, without vendors, businesses cannot provide quality services to clients, especially these days, uh, where there are so many vendors out there that provide services that are inexpensive. And instead of really hiring a team for small businesses, you will have a different vendors that provide a services that you can use instead of you know, hiring large team when you cannot afford in the beginning. Okay, so let's look at employees' relationships. So just like organizational relationships, employee relationships are divided into two groups, internal and external. So internal relationships are relationships within, with, with the manager, co-worker, direct reports, leadership team, and so on. External relationships are direct employee connections with the clients and vendors. We know relationships are the number one predictor of happiness based on so many research out there. Although we strictly talk about business, when employees create good relationships at work, it will help them and help the organization be even more successful. So how do we align organizational and employee relationships? Personal relationships in general are outside of work. So, however, if employees are happy outside of work, chances are they will be more productive at work. So making even small changes will significantly impact the relationships between employee, employers and employees. The organizational leaders really need to think about this one and do whatever they can to allow personal time, sick time, holidays, and so on to be flexible and create a proper work-life balance so that employees have a time to strengthen personal relationships. You know, if you own a small business, you know, with your partner, a person you also live with, gets a little more complicated. How do I know? Well, I've had that situation for many years and thankfully I'm still in the same relationship with my wife. But, you know, for the business to be successful, and not impact your positive relationships with your partner, you really must separate business from personal. And the reason I'm saying this is because I have a lot of clients who have a small business and they do it with the partners. And we talk a lot about this. How do we separate business relationships from personal? The research also shows that having a friend uh, within an organization will improve organizational and employee relationships. It will 
enhance business and employee well-being, profit, success, and so on. And when that friendship is separated from the business itself, employees will be happier and more productive. So let's move to the next uh, pillar. And in this case, we're going to be talking about goals. Okay, so whatever company you work for, the chances are they identify their overall goals. You know, every program, project, business unit, and so on will have its own goal for larger companies. These goals will have to be aligned with the overall organizational goals. So hopefully you follow the same process and establish your business plan if, if you own your own business. An organization might set the goals to develop new products, uh, maximize profits, improve social media presence, increase sales, increase website traffic, and so on. And the key to business success is achieving the goals the company sets. Now, one way to ensure that, that uh, uh, there's no you know, a, a clear present and, and share these, one way, sorry, to really ensure this is that it has to be, this has to be clearly presented and share company goals with your employees. If the employees do not know or do not understand what company goals are, it cannot help reach them. So please keep that in mind because often I've seen this. I've seen this a lot actually in large organizations when the goals are not clearly communicated and employees in that case cannot help organizations if they don't know exactly what the goals are. Let's come to employees' goals. So everyone has or should have a list of their goals. You know, therefore, we know employees have their plans. Some are personal, some are business and work-related. And as part of the organizational and employee well-being, we are concerned about work-related goals. So that's what we're discussing here. Um, as an employee, when you look at your goals, highlight the ones that you can achieve while working for your current organization. Share your goals with your manager. Find out if attaining some of these goals can also help your organization. If so, discuss with the management team and see what they can do to support you toward these goals. Remember that your management team may not help you with the goals unrelated to organizational success, even if they are business related. This is important. Now, let's move to how do we align organizational goals with employees' goals? So, regardless of the organization's goals, employees and business need to align their goals. Sometimes goals are, you know, align, sometimes they don't. You know, ideally, there are things that employees and companies they work for want to do. That's one of the key of employees and organizational well-being. The alignment 
should be made clear even during the hiring process. That is really my recommendation. So decision makers and candidates need to be aware of the goal alignment. And if there is no match, a job offer should not be given regardless of other qualities of the candidate. And even if the offer was presented, the candidate should not take it, knowing that the company will do nothing to help them achieve their goals. Nobody would be happy in this marriage, even if the you know, financials are great, the compensation are, compensations are amazing and so on, there, there will be no, no happiness there, no happy marriage. <laughs> Managers should really ask each employee to share their goals, review the list together and see which goals are aligned with the company plans. This is really an essential exercise that unfortunately many organizations do not do. For example, if an employee's goal is to expand their current network security skills and the company goal is to enhance security, bingo, we see a great match, both will be happy. And chances are employees will work hard, harder to help company achieve that goal. However, if the employee wants to learn web development and the organizational goal is to outsource that practice, then what? You know, the organization has to make sure employees understand that learning web development is one of the goals they will have to learn independently. Employee and an organization may not be the right for each other, may not be the right fit, right? Both have a choice to make if this happens. There is always a choice. Okay, now that we look at the goals, the next thing we are going to look at is mindfulness. So <laughs> let's look at organizational mindfulness. You're going to hear a lot people talking about organizational mindfulness, but it is really one of the keys to organizational well-being if understood correctly. Company leaders must focus on strategy and long-term goals for the organization to exist. But to establish a business strategy, they must also be mindful of the present moment and the current business outcome. Today's business outcome can be a base for successful long-term business. So to increase success, organizations focus on the present and look at the current finances, sales, you know, customer satisfaction, market share, development, team progress, and so on. They are in the present moment on purpose and not judging it, as John Kabat-Zinn would say. And when they do that, they are mindful organization. Let's now look at employee mindfulness. So mindfulness is really a big topic. And we, you know, as you know, there are extensive programs on mindfulness and we have some as well. It's just dedicated to mindfulness. But for now, let's focus only on two characteristics of employee mindfulness. Two most important ones, in my opinion, listening and talking. 
listening and talking. So focus on the task at hand and actively listening is one of the keys to employee success. Regardless of the situation, always mindfully listen. While in a meeting, receiving performance reviews, get the feedback from your client and so on. This doesn't mean you do not raise your opinion and give recommendations, but actively listen, even if you disagree. Don't begin quickly judging others and their suggestions. When we listen, we learn. When we talk, we don't. Someone says we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Other than those by the water cooler, <laughs> most conversations at work are business-related or they should be business-related. When you talk, be in the present moment, regardless of if you are in one-on-one -on -one discussion, if you present in a meeting, or speak in front of the large crowd. Generally, when we prepare and practice well and get to the perform stage, if you will, with the group, we are in the present moment without even thinking about it. Facilitation skills, regardless of whether you facilitate a meeting, workshop, company outing, and so on, requires to be present. And the only way to be mindful at the time is to prepare well. Whether you work remotely or from the office, Always be there for your employer. Focus on your work. Spend as much time as possible in the present moment. You will be more in the flow, more productive, and it will be a great mindfulness practice that will help you become even more mindful in your personal life. So now that we talked about organizational and employee mindfulness, Let's spend a minute to talk about how do we align them. Mindful organization can help employees have a better life at work and home. There is a natural alignment between the organization and employees' mindfulness. Being in the present moment and focused on the organizational goals will help the businesses and employees. There are so many programs on mindfulness these days, and I've seen many companies bring experts to help their employees on this topic. Why? Because they know mindful employees create mindful, successful organization. Okay, that was a mindfulness, and now let's move to gratitude and gratitude. So let's start with organizational gratitude. In addition to looking forward to new goals, organizations need to look back at past successes and be grateful for what they have achieved in every business area, such as sales, marketing, development, employee satisfaction, human resources, technology, and so on. At the same time, they should constantly look for improvements. Gratitude is a vital for successful and authentic organization. When business is grateful for past successes, 
they build on gratitude and optimism. And that in turn will help them achieve even bigger goals. Let's look at employees' gratitude. You know, gratitude is another topic that everybody is talking about these days. But gratitude at work needs to be created based on organizational successes. Properly trained leaders can help employees increase their personal and work gratitude level. Employees should focus on the good things that happen at work. Friendship they created, opportunities that opened up, projects they're working on, results they have achieved, and so on. When employees are grateful for the good things at work, they will be happier and more successful. Let's align these two. So the organizations and employees can be grateful for the same thing. There could be a genuinely one-on-one -on -one relationships between them. Both could be grateful for the same results, contributions to success, healthy financial statements, new products and services, and so on. For example, when the organization does well financially and is grateful for it, it could positively affect employees and improve their financial picture. When the business is focused on the life balance, employees will be thankful for that. When corporation focus on lowering employee turnover, employees will not have to spend productive hours training a new hire and so on. So we have one more pillar to cover. And the last but not least is the strength. So let's look at where are the employee strength and how do we align uh, organizational strength to employee strength. So organizational strength do not simply come from vision, mission, or the purpose statement. When they come from the facts, company results, and outcome. So what are the organizational strengths? Every company is different. Some companies might be great at customer service or innovation. Others may have strengths such as fairness, teamwork, honesty, integrity. Whatever that is, it needs to be communicated to employees and job candidates. So please, Leaders, HR professionals, keep that in mind. Communicate not just to employees, but to job candidates as much as you can. Many organizations, organizational leaders will tell you that people are their best resources, their best strength, people are all they have. Unfortunately, unfortunately, some organizations do not pay as much attention to people and their strength as they should. Regardless of what it is, number one strength of most, if not all organizations, are people. And everybody should keep that in mind. 
as far as employee strength. So look, numerous research from the science of positive psychology tells us that when we focus on what's good with us rather than what's wrong, we have a better chance of creating a successful life. This doesn't mean we will ignore things we need to improve. All it means is that strength are our starting point towards success. So the first thing to do is to list our strength. Several tools can help us do that. The most popular are the value in action, VIA character strength survey, the DISC personal assessment tool, and the Clifton strength assessment. I am not endorsing any of these tools and I'm not associated with them. However, just try and see what works for you. Regardless of what survey you take and how you find your strength, list them all, review the top five, and do more things at work to align with these strengths. Now, also review the bottom five and begin to think about what can you do to improve and move some of these things up on a scale. But please keep in mind that whatever bottom five strengths are, and you see them on your survey, it doesn't mean you are bad at it. All it means is that to play these strengths, it may take more effort than using your top strength. This is really, really important. Okay, so alignment. Alignment. Two things have to happen to align organizational and employee strengths. Employees must understand the organizational strength, and the organization must know employee strengths. Then and only then, they can be aligned. Before making a hiring decision, businesses, so leaders, hiring managers, you should look at candidate strength to ensure that it matches company strength or the strength of the company that wants, wants to develop, right? Or the strength that candidate will bring that will help companies succeed. The job candidate should look at what company is good at and see if this aligns with what they're good at or the skills and strength they want to develop. This is really, really important. We don't pay much attention to this, unfortunately. Merging an organization and employees is almost like a marriage, right? So in relationships, sometimes you have two people with the same strength, or you have two people who have a different strength, but help each other improve. And unfortunately, Sometimes people separate. Often there is a nothing wrong with either one. How do we know? Well, the chances are another person is waiting for the separation to get together with one of these two people. As an employee, if you do not fit correctly in your organization, it may have nothing to do with you. You may be outstanding at what you do, and a much better fit somewhere else. As an organization, if you have an employee that doesn't perform well or cannot contribute their strength, it may have nothing to do with you 
or with your business. That employee may contribute amazingly well somewhere else. But so finding the right match to align organizational and employee strength and align what the organization wants to develop with what employees wants to build will help both succeed. So now that we covered employee and organizational well-being pillars, let me just repeat them one more time. They are authentic happiness, resilience and purpose, optimism, relationships, goals, mindfulness, gratitude, and strength. And what is key to success is alignment, aligning each of the employee strength with organizational strength. Become the Life Success Academy founding member. Go to academyoflifesuccess.com and click on founding member to get 60% off full membership.